1: Locked On Podcast Network and State Farm present Paving the Way, a new series highlighting important
0: voices across Locked On's network. Every month, our host Kanani Stevens will showcase other Locked On hosts who come from underserved communities to hear the challenges they face to become a sports broadcast personality. Who will be paving the way
1: this episode? Find out now. State Farm believes it's important to champion diverse voices and create positive impacts in our neighborhoods. That's why our good neighbors at State Farm are proud to support the Paving the Way series and their mission to provide support to underserved communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. On today's episode, we speak to Jay Forster from Locked on Blue Jackets about his journey as a trans male finding joy through sports in an unlikely way. Wanna welcome in Jay Forster. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Paving the Way. I usually start with kind of how you grew up, how you got into sports as a kid, but you told me you weren't really into sports as a kid. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up and kind of what that was like for you.
0: Uh, yeah. So I grew up in the northeast of England. Um, if people can't tell from my uh, from my accent. And yeah, I kind of got into sports by accident, I think. Um I was in college. And I was looking for things to do. And, you know, I'd moved to a new city, didn't really know anyone. And I uh, was living in the dorm room right next to the campus gym. And they had a mixed martial arts class there. And I was like, hey, I'll try this out. It seems fun. And that kind of, I was like, oh, actually, sports are great. Um, I ended up getting into hockey specifically um, because of the Winter Olympics. And I was watching uh, the women's gold medal game against Canada and USA, which to this day is still one of the best okay. games I've ever seen. Um, and at the time, I was still identifying as female. And I was like, oh, it, it sounds really stupid at the time, but like, I was like, oh, I didn't know women could play as well. And so I started looking for um, places to play, and I ended up finding uh, a local like uh, recreational beer league team, uh, learning to play, and then uh, I kind of got into... Wanting to learn more and more and more about the sport, wanting to work in the sport. And then that's kind of, it's all snowballed. And now here I am. And it's kind of accidentally my entire
1: life. Absolutely, entirely <laughs> obsessed with it. I love that for you. <laughs> um, how do you kind of playing it make you love it more? Like, obviously, as a fan, we, you know, sometimes we like any sport that we've played, I'm sure, even if it's just wreck or whatever, I feel like that gives you that little bit more love for it, right? Like a little more appreciation, of how difficult maybe some stuff is. Do you feel like that helps you a little bit when you're like, oh, that's really, really hard. Like, I literally understand that. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. Like, and it looks so impressive, like on TV and when you go to games and stuff, it looks super impressive. And then you get on the ice and you're like, oh, actually this is even more impressive. You know, it's, it's, I play at a very, very low level compared to, you know, the NHL, obviously. But um, just like that extra understanding of the game and meeting more people, who really loved the sport as well helped because it's not a huge thing over here in England. Um, you know, we have, we have some leagues, but it's not, you know, it's not one of the big four sports. It's not soccer. Um, and so finding like a community of people that also cared about this, like quote unquote niche sport was, uh, was really fun and cool. And I was like, Oh, okay. Now I have people to talk to about this. And then, you know, I would learn more things about, teams um we've got a couple of like canadian uh expats on my beer league team and so they obviously grew up with the sport they've got all of this knowledge of you know the game from like the 80s and the 90s and you know way before my time and so you know you just kind of you pick things up and you learn things and the more i learned the more i kind of wanted to learn more and it just kind of snowballed
1: from there did you know immediately that you were like oh maybe i can do like sports media or did you kind of like end up there? How did that happen for you?
0: Um, so I have always enjoyed writing. Uh, so I went to college for English. So I have a, a, a bachelor's and a master's in English literature. And so I thought that writing was a thing that I wanted to do. And I wasn't sure how that would kind of combine with sports. Originally, what I wanted to do was, oh, this sport's really cool. I would love to work for a team in some, in some kind of aspect, but I wasn't sure how that would kind of shape up or or how that would make sense and then um i started writing kind of as a a way to talk about the things in sport that i either enjoyed or didn't enjoy so much so i had a couple of you know uh, i started off with blogs that didn't really go anywhere um and then in uh 2015 i was uh still so when i got into when i first got into hockey i went to the Chicago Blackhawks because I was considering them like the gateway team sure. for that time. They were the big, they just won like the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. uh, in 2013. This was um, spring of 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 2015, mm-hmm. one of the players was uh, accused of uh, sexually assaulting someone. And the way that the team handled that, I thought, was very poor, was really disheartening. And I ended up writing this whole long thing about it. I didn't mean to. I just kind of sat down one day and, write, and wrote it all out. And I was like, oh, maybe this is something that, like, I could I could do. And, you know, it felt different to write about the sport that isn't the sport, if that makes sense. You know, the, the, the off-ice stuff, I feel like, doesn't get as much uh Airtime as the as the you know the the fun goals and the highlight reels and stuff and so i wrote that um and then i kind of left it for a while again got into a couple of other things wrote for a couple of sites briefly um and then in 2019 just before the kind of the, the world shut down um i ended up talking to a guy called john holmes who worked for Sky Sports at the time, which is one of the biggest sports networks over here. And he basically wanted to talk to me about my experience of being LGBT in hockey for, um, it would have been pride month. So it would have been around this time, actually in in 2019. And so he wrote a story about me and, you know, my experience playing hockey as a, as a trans person. And um, after that, it just kind of snowballed from there again. I was, I, I wrote a couple of pieces for him Um, I ended up joining the lockdown network kind of not off the back of that, but that was the thing that really kind of gave me the, the, the push to be like, oh, maybe this is a, an area I can work in. And Mm -hmm. so it was all kind of, it felt very organic at the time. And then looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, no, like lots of things had to go right for this exact, this exact thing to fall into place.
1: There's always a little bit of luck with stuff like that, but obviously a lot of hard work as well. Um. When we talk on the show a lot about sometimes like, you know, because your path is a little bit always, everybody's path is a little bit different. Sometimes it's that way because you don't really see anybody that looks like you, that does the job that you want to do. So you're kind of like, does it even exist? Like, how do I get there? Um, Did you, have you had experiences like that where you're kind of like, I don't see any representation of myself. Like, how do I get to where I want to be? Yeah, definitely.
0: And like, I real I recognize that that sounds really stupid. Like sitting here as a white guy saying, oh, no one looks like me, but I I and you know uh we had some kind of some some pre-interview conversation and yeah. talked about like you know who who do you, who inspires you as a, a sports media who looks like you and I kind of thought about it and I was like I don't know that I could tell you the name of a single openly transgender sports writer mm-hmm. you know and so I think that's kind of what pushes me is I'm not I'm not the biggest name in the world you know I've got my I've got my podcast I've got a couple hundred Twitter followers um I would love to be the inspiration for other trans people to realize hey you've got a space in this sport you can you Mm -hmm. can do this as well
1: I think so much of that is just kind of not as you know necessarily have to make yourself like a billboard for anything but just like being yourself right and just like doing your job and and being open about who you are and and I think sometimes that's hard for people to just obviously it's hard for people to share that with their family and people in their lives but then also do it on this kind of platform did you struggle with anything like that or were you kind of at a place where you felt comfortable with it by the time you got to this point yeah
0: I think I've been I was pretty comfortable with it so I came out in 2017 uh, to like the, the, my my friends and my family, but I'd kind of been going that way. Like I was out online before I came out in the real world, so to speak. Um, and so by the, you know, by, by this point I've been out for five, six years now. Um, and I, um, I, I talk a lot about how I don't think that queer people should be resources necessarily, you know, Mm -hmm. Google exists you don't have to go and find a queer person and ask them about this or that or whatever because you can just google it that being said i have always wanted to be a resource for people um and if people have questions about you know being trans or being part of the lgbt community i will or if they are asked in good faith and they are you know seem like they are like genuinely willing to learn like i'm always happy to to ask questions to answer questions like i know when i came out i had handful of guys from a hockey team who would reach out like we have a lot of um guys whose day jobs are teachers and Mm -hmm. so they would they came to me and they were like hey i saw this story in the news um about something can you explain this or you know can you explain why what this person said is wrong because and you know so things like that so i've always wanted to be that um and i'm sure she won't mind me sharing this on on here but i understand that robin Laiano was on Uh, paving the way, very good friend of mine. Um, And I think she was, she came to me when she was kind of thinking about coming out and doing it publicly and, you know, being a a, a transgender sports person. And so I think that was a really nice moment of, oh, this is, this is someone I work with. Mm -hmm. And we have this kind of, this bond, I guess, of being, I think the only two openly transgender, podcast hosts on the lockdown network which yeah. is uh, which
1: is a really fun thing absolutely i'm sure that you guys can really use each other in that and just kind of relation and just like if anything you know just to talk about things i'm sure i talked a lot, lot not- of um
0: com- <laughs> sending tweets of people saying dumb stuff oh, to gosh, each other and being like can you believe this guy
1: <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> i do not doubt that for a second. Um, I, I remember when I spoke to Robin, I kind of talked to her a little bit about, because she picked up hockey a little bit later as well. Mm-hmm. I remember her telling me um, that wasn't her like maybe first sport either. But it, I think with hockey, it's it, obviously people are very passionate about it. And I feel like sometimes the way the league deals with some things is a little disheartening. I know with like their pride nights and some different things that they do, that's always a little a little disheartening for me and I kind of just talked to her about like how she deals with that. It, do you have the same issue like kind of seeing some of that stuff and just being like, "Oh, that's kind of not great, but like how do you kind of internalize and deal with that?"
0: Yeah, it it's it's, it's so disappointing and like this is coming off the back of um so we're recording this the the morning after an announcement that they are getting rid of warm-up jerseys. So they're not going to be doing the Pride jerseys in warm-ups mm-hmm. um they're not going to be doing, you know, Black History Night. They're not going to be doing um, some teams do like um, Indigenous or First Nations celebration nights or Chinese heritage or you know any of these nights to celebrate kind of the diversity in this sport. Um, and it is disappointing, and it's frustrating, and I think a lot about um, something that a very good friend of mine, uh, Chanel Keenan says um and she was the diversity and inclusion um person for the seattle kraken for a little while Mm -hmm. um she is uh, a very she's a a great person she's so committed to again diversity and making sure that everyone has a voice and Mm -hmm. she always says she can't change the sport if she leaves and so that's kind of how i think and every time i see this and i'm like this sport doesn't want me here Mm
1: -hmm.
0: well tough i'm not going anywhere You know, and every time I see the comments of people being like gay people don't belong in sports and trans people shouldn't be allowed to play sports. And why do we even need pride night? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. All of this, this stuff that I see kind of on a a daily basis, every time I dare to tweet about existing as a a sport, as a hockey fan who is also by the LGBT community. I'm like, these people want me to leave. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think about leaving, but that feels like letting them win. And I am stubborn enough and petty enough that uh, that's uh, uh, that ain't going to work. I I am here and I'm not going anywhere. And I think that makes, that helps. I think the, the knowledge that me being in this sport makes bigots unhappy.
1: There we go. I love the pettiness. Sometimes you need to, that's, <laughs> the, drive, you've got to, you that's the drive we need. Yeah. That's the drive we need. Just like, I know this is making me mad. So I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Um, obviously it's it's tough for anybody in that in that kind of space so i enjoy that you guys you know um i'm saying you and robin kind of have each other to bounce off of and then kind of um you know take that stance to it that's a great way to be about it um can we talk a little bit about i know you kind of had some stuff going on and then how you ended up at locked on and the thing parts of I I've loved about Locked On is they're like some of the best bosses I've ever had and they're just super super supportive of all the things that you want to do. And um I feel really fortunate sometimes that I'm like, oh, this is like really great. Um, do you feel like they were always kind of supportive of all the things that you wanted to do and, and how you want it to be and speak about yourself?
0: Oh, hundred percent. Um I wanna I wanna kind of start off with um the the people that work at Locked On, I have been consistently amazed by and, and the, the bar is like solo for me. Um, oh, same. Because yeah, absolutely. You know, but every time I see, you know, I'll see hosts tweeting about um, how bad these trans, these trans banning bills are, you know, or they'll be tweeting about um, they'll be retweeting things like protect trans kids or um, banning books or don't say gay in Florida. And I'll see locked on hosts speaking out about all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. it just makes me feel like, OK, this is a good place to work. Um, I want to specifically shout out Sean Woodley who is the channel coordinator for the uh, NHL channel, and I guess technically my boss. Um, He has consistently gone above and beyond to make sure that I am comfortable in this network. He is, uh, he'll constantly just, every so often he'll send me little messages like, hey, like he sent me a message on uh, the start of the month, like, hey, happy Pride Month. Keep being you. You rock, you know, just little things like that. He'll reach out every time and be like, you know, I saw this in the news. It sucks. This, this league sucks. People suck. You know, hope you're doing okay. Let me know if there's anything that I or the network can do. So like, yeah, I am just every, every time I'm just, I'm real glad that, that Sean is such a great guy and that I get to work with him.
1: So simple, just like even check ins or just like acknowledgement. Sometimes I feel like is so is so huge because you don't get it from other places. So it's always just nice to be like, oh, like you like understand what I'm talking. Like you get it. Like you're on the same page as me. Like that's very reassuring. And I felt like a lot of the people I work with at Locked On are really like locked locked into that. If <laughs> we want to say, um, so I appreciate that. I'm glad you do too. Uh, we talked a little bit about kind of. You know, you weren't into sports at first, and you kind of got into it. Did you have anybody that either mentored you or kind of helped you get to where you are today?
0: Uh, yeah, so I mentioned uh, John Holmes from uh, Sky Sports earlier. Yeah. Uh, he now has gone fully freelance, I believe. He's he is the founder of Sports Media LGBT Plus, uh, which is a, a website in the UK that covers like a queer issues across all of sports, and so mm-hmm. that was where he wrote about. Um, that's where I kind of got my start in this sports writing stuff and again it would uh it would have been pride month uh 2020 i reached out to him and said hey i'm interested in doing some stuff do you think your site would be interested and he was like yeah absolutely and so that's where i kind of got my my start and he is constantly again he's just Every so often he'll reach out and be like, hey, I've got this. I heard this story. Do you want to write something for it? Or, you know, can you uh, tell me about this? Or, you know, if I do something for another network or another thing, he'll retweet that and give it, like, shout out and stuff. And so he's someone that, that I, I don't know that I would necessarily consider him a, a mentor in the way that, like, we've worked together and he's, like, I don't know how I want to say this. I don't know that I would call him a mentor in the terms of like a, a, a teacher. Right. But he's definitely someone that has kind of supported me and given me that space to do what I want to do, which is write about, you know, at, at the very end of the day, what I want to write about is queer joy in sports. I don't want to write these articles about how stupid it is that they're banning pride jerseys or whatever, which is not what they're doing, but for, for sake of expediency. You know, I want to write about happy things. Yeah. I want to write about queer people getting to play the sports that they love, things like that. Um, and he gave me a place to do that. And he has given me the support to do that, which is really great.
1: I think sometimes just facilitating that and having the, you know, the venue to do that is huge as well. So I, I definitely understand where you're going with it. Um, I, I know we talked a little bit about kind of being necessarily a role model, but just being a visible face um, for different, you know, whether it's it's queer kids or just whoever, you know, can relate to the situation that you're in. Um do you have advice for anybody like that? I know it's kind of hard and broad to, to give out, but like maybe the people that are thinking I want to get involved in sports media, but I don't see anybody like me.
0: Yeah. I think for, for me, it was just, well, if the, if no one out there is is like me and is doing this, then well, I, I guess I have to, you know, someone's got to, uh, someone has to be the first and it, it might as well be you. And uh, you know, you'll be the first, but you won't be the only one, you know? So I think sometimes if you take that first step, someone else will take a, a step behind you, um, and that's kind of how I how I go is I, I, I if I have to take that first step and I have to you know take the 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 burden I guess of of being the the first person then then sure but I would I, I'm having the time of my life doing what I love you know and I think that's that's what matters like I think a lot about. Um, Hockey specifically is, and then and, and this is not necessarily relevant, but it's, it's a story that I thought I wanted to to share. Is hockey as a sport is so weirdly insular of mm-hmm. like they they all they want people they constantly say, well, my sport's better than yours, but then mm-hmm. when new people come to the sport, they're like, no, no, we don't want you, yeah. you know. And that's always so stupid to me because the way I see it, I'm like, this sport is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love this sport why wouldn't you want everyone like I'll stop people on the street and tell them about this sport, you know, like why wouldn't you want as many people to care about the sport as much as you do? And that's kind of how I, how I see it is if you, if you love this sport, if you think you could love this sport, come on in. It doesn't matter if you know what, what your race is, what your gender is, what your sexuality is, what your class is, you know, like if you, if you want to be in this sport, then you should be in this sport and don't let anyone else stop you. Because again, sometimes you existing in this sport will make bad people angry. And I think there's something really cathartic in that.
1: Absolutely. I love that you take that in. It feels good. They're (laughs) angry and it feels good. Before we end the show, we do want to highlight an organization that we're working with in an effort to support paving the way for future generations faced with less favorable opportunities. State Farm and Lockdown are pairing up. They're going to be giving a donation to the incredible organization Everyone On for every host that we feature on this series. The mission for everyone on is to unlock opportunity by connecting families in underserved communities to affordable internet services and digital literacy training. So doing so creates significant positive change in communities and society as a whole. Big thank you to our good neighbors at State Farm for their support on behalf of our hosts and helping to pave the way for so many others in our communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm and Locked On Network share a common goal, helping to make our communities a better place. State Farm is committed to helping amplify individuals and organizations that lead the way in diversity, inclusion, and social good. Because we know that investing in community building and uplifting diverse voices is crucial to creating a sense of belonging. State Farm is proud to sponsor the Paving the Way series and celebrate the change makers that have paved the way in making our neighborhoods a better place for everyone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.